0: To support us on Patreon, please visit patreon.com slash for the wild, or if you would rather make a one-time donation or recurring donation outside of Patreon, please visit for the wild donate. Hey, For the Wild community, Ayana here. This week, we are taking a break from our regularly scheduled programming to do a special Encore episode swap with How to Survive the End of the World podcast. In this episode, host Adrienne Marie Brown and Autumn Brown introduce their brand new season that looks at all the facets of love. We hope you enjoy this week's episode and we will be back next week with a new episode of For the Wild podcast.
1: What is love? What is love? What (laughs) is love? Why does it hurt so bad and (laughs) why is it so necessary? (laughs) Adam Brown, a wealthy socialite, moonlighting as a bike courier from the 1990s, and real-world hopeful, living on Dakota and Anishinaabe land, currently known as Minneapolis. And I'm Adrian Marie
2: Brown. A radical femme aspirational Lynn manuel Miranda, um, student of miracles, love, emergent strategist, and pleasure activist living in the land of the Shikori, Skarure, Tuscarora, and Lumbee people known as Durham.
1: This is How to Survive the End of the World,
2: our podcast about learning from apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. And this season, season six... Season six. <laughs> season six is our all about love season. We are dedicating this season to our Black feminist, new ancestor, bell Hooks, the beloved one, and particularly her groundbreaking work, All About Love, New Visions. And we are going to dedicate an entire season to talking about love in this world right now and how it's deeply tied into why we want to survive how we survive and who we survive with
1: get ready for some um new segments oh yes
2: (laughs) (laughs) we have to have new segments for this so um before we hop into new segments, Autumn, it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left mm-hmm. you without a check in. <laughs> What's going on, <laughs> oh, God, sister?
1: Well, um, yeah, how are you? I mean, you know how I'm doing. I literally just um, left your presence. You literally just left <laughs> my house, my actual house that I live in now. Um, I'm doing really well today. Um, my big fun announcement to um, our listeners is that I bought a house. And um, a whole house, a whole house. <laughs> and I am currently recording from my office on the third floor of my whole house. And it's a beautiful, beautiful space. And it is also um, the first true office that I've ever had. I've worked from home most of my adult life. Um, but I've never had an office <laughs> that wasn't also a bedroom Wait. or oh, wow. a living room or a, a corner or a corner of something else. <laughs> um, so this is like a big upgrade for my life that I have an actual space that it has a door that closes that's like on a different level of the house than where everything else takes place. Um, and, but everything about everything about this house is like very magical. Everything about the way that I came into ownership of this house is extremely magical and imbued with magic. Um, And, you know, I have to say, like, when I, when I went through my divorce, as you know, Mm. I was like, I'm never buying a house again. Mm. I was like, I will never, I'm never, you know, I just had all these feelings associated with like having to let go of a house that I, you know, thought I was going to like grow old and die in. And (laughs) so there's something that's been so really beautiful about like about making the life-affirming choice to say, um, I'm going to buy this house because I plan to actually be here for at least the next decade of my life and to feel really at home immediately in the space. Mm. Um, and just, there's been a lot of joy already, um, a lot of big feelings already in the space as you got to witness yeah. a couple of days ago um, it like the kids are really enjoying the space. I'm really enjoying the space. And it really is like, it feels, I can already feel the ways that it's like making my life better.
2: <laughs> mm. So
1: I'm very happy. I'm very oh, happy it's today. It's such a
2: gorgeous home. hmm hmm
1: mm-hmm. How are you today? You just got home.
2: I just got home from your beautiful home (laughs) to my beautiful home. And um, I'm feeling really intact. You know, like that's, I keep having this like, oh, I can really feel all the parts of myself in my house. And there's, for the first time ever, a lawn care person came today to completely <gasps> take care of my lawn Ooh. garden area, like everything outside. And Ooh. like it no, like he just, he was just there. He just like, I looked out the window and I'm like, Oh, you're just handling it. Like there was no, like, let's pretend like, you know, anything, and you need to tell me what to, like, it was, like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, I he can. it was see. like,
1: you filled out the intake. So I'll just,
2: <laughs> he's like, this is, this is bad. And I love it. And I'll take care of the land. Um, so <laughs> that's really great. Uh, my very dear friend, Jen Kidwell, is, who is an incredible artist, um, of the fiata, mm. um, is visiting me with like, <laughs> she showed up yesterday and she's like, I brought you peanut M&Ms. And I was like, that Yeah, so kind. That is an act of love. (laughs) That's so loving. So she's here with me, and yeah, it's spring. This is my first like spring in North Carolina, so it's like hot or like it was like cold, and then it's like eighty degrees. Um, so that feels exciting to me. Like that's
1: great for you. I was making that face on my own behalf. I know that face. I was like, that face is from your cold house, (laughs) but I,
2: (laughs) um, and like even wearing a sweatshirt inside the warmth. Like I just love being warm. So
1: those are all the ways you do I, love being warm. I'm just a little toasty toast. You were like so cute when you were here with your, like, I need a, I need a <laughs> electric blanket to go under me on the air mattress, autumn. Like, exactly. yes. well, because the air was getting cold, the air is cold. Exactly.
2: The air was getting cold. On and then the cold floor. When I, the second <laughs> night with the electric blanket under me and a hot water bottle next to me, like up under my <laughs> pajamas, yeah. I was like, finally I can, I can rest. Now like, you're comfortable. Parts of me exactly. are kind of sweaty. This is good. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I love good. You. And I'm, I'm like really excited to be back in this space with you. And I'm really excited for the, the season that we have ahead of us and like, you know we have done we've gone in so many directions with this podcast and last season felt like a really epic groundbreaking historical season of interviews mm-hmm. and um which was awesome like i really loved all the interviews we did i'm really Absolutely. proud of what we created there but i'm also really excited to just like kick it with you and get to talk with you about all these things and see what you you know i think over the course of this season people are going to be astounded by all the parallels and divergences of love
1: that we know and <laughs> have, experienced have experienced in life, you know? So and I was I'm really excited I was thinking to thinking about this with you. too. I'm so excited. And I was thinking about how full circle this moment is for us to be doing a season about love specifically, because one of, you know, for a long time, you and I were like, we would, coll- we would, you know, we're doing our work, we're doing our work, we're coming back together and being like, Exchange of lessons, exchange of learnings, exchange of wisdom. And then we're going back out into the world and doing our work in separate locations. But one of the first projects that you and I conceived of doing together (laughs) was a book project on radical love, where we were going to be exploring like, you know, love as we learned it through our parentage and through our family and all those things. So there's something that to me seems, even though we never actually made that book, yeah. It's like we're gonna make it right now.
2: Exactly. You know, exactly. I really feel that. I feel like yeah. there's something about this that feels fated. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really excited. And um I have a question which is should we tell people about our Patreon stuff now?
1: Mm, yeah, why not? Let's okay. Let's do a little a little shameless self. Yeah. Well, we're learning about all this Patreon stuff,
2: but like, so we have a Patreon. It's Mm -hmm. really sweet. We really appreciate all the people who are already members of it. And we find like all those people were just operating on faith. (laughs) Basically, they're just like, I love y'all. Here's something without Mm -hmm. anything in return. And finally, we got it together. And now we have stuff (laughs) for them, for y'all. So we're inviting people to become patrons of us, become patrons of this season. Um, It really supports us to cover the cost of what we're doing. And that invitation now comes with beautiful merch. Um, We have Mm -hmm. a t-shirt. We have a tote bag. Mm -hmm. We have a mug. Mm
1: -hmm. We have a poster
2: and we have a gift certificate to fat in the moon discount code. Right. um, Who they all, they make the best smelling, yummy, natural, delightful bath
1: and body things. Right. And we have a lot of different like artists involved in the yeah, design of cool. our merch. So the mug is, um, a design that we commissioned from an artist named Hannah Chalu mm-hmm. and the t-shirt and, um, the tote bag design came from Bianca Ibarculea, who mm-hmm. also designed the, um, uh, syllabus that was created by an academic based on our work a few years ago if people remember that beautiful syllabus that went out that was like based on the show um, and then of course we have the poster that was designed by Marie Me. Brown. Adrian Marie I drew um Yeah. So it's like, for those of you who are already patrons, if you haven't had a chance to go over and like, make sure that you're signed up in a tier where you're actually going to receive merch, that's an important step to take. Um, but if you are not a patron now is a good time to go over there, check it out and pick a level that you can sign up at. And then any level that you sign up on you get access to this other special thing that we started doing this year called Ask Us Anything episodes, Mm. where we field a bunch of questions from our patrons. And then we record a special session, just the two of us answering those questions and then drop it just to patrons. So there's also like patron only content that hmm. is gonna be coming out throughout the year. Some of it is those ask us things We'll probably also drop some special event content to patrons only. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's new for us to be doing this. And we're also so excited to be at a point in, the life of the show, where we actually have capacity and stability enough to be able to do this, so that is great. <laughs> we <laughs> grow, okay. We grow. We, we,
2: we making it we on grown. our own, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we 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 have a new segment. Yeah, and I think like if I was to describe this the sound of this segment, it would be like the flume of all like that.
1: Yes. How would you describe it? <laughs> I would, I would describe it with these sounds. <gasps> oh, <Wow. laughs>
2: Great. So, yes. yeah. So we last seasons, you know, we've given you the flume of rage and we really spent some time digging deep into what was enraging to us. And there's so much the depths of our anger, we plumbed it. But Mm -hmm. now with this season, because our focus is really about love, we wanted to give ourselves room for awe to really notice that even in spite of everything out there that is hard and difficult and sad and, you know, despairing and grief filled, there are still these moments of awe. There are still these moments of wonder and joy and pleasure. And we wanted a chance to uplift those and share those and to share what's really inspiring and exciting us right now. So Mm -hmm. this is going to be our first flume of awe.
1: The flume of awe. So Mm -hmm. going forward, we'll be asking each other, what is something that is giving you joy, pleasure, and or other feelings of awe? Mm -hmm. And Adrienne, do you want to go first with your flume of
2: awe? In general, folks know that I have a soft, place, a joyful place in my heart for direct action. Like I, I just feel like it moves me every time I see humans willing to put their time, energy, and bodies in front of what they care about. Right. And just like, this is something that really matters to me. And recently a ton of scientists around the world took a direct action where they went out of their buildings, locked themselves to their buildings, locked themselves to the front doors to lock down the places where they were working in order to make a statement about the level of climate crisis we're in. And the climate crisis is a place of despair for me, but all the actions I see humans taking humans who may not see themselves as warriors in this struggle, but like something has moved them to this point. So the, the video, the first video that I saw was this NASA scientist who was doing it. He was, he had chained himself to the front of his building and he was crying as he took this action like it was so wow. tied into his heart and what i felt when i was watching it was that awe. That i'm like i don't know this person i don't know any of these people but the feeling i have in my heart for this world they have that feeling in their heart yeah and you know i felt like as an earthling i could feel the the, the way the earth receives the love of
0: that action and it's gotta stop we're gonna lose everything And we're not joking. We're not lying. We're not exaggerating. This is so bad, everyone, um, that we're willing to take this risk. And more and more scientists and more and more people are going to start joining us. This is for all of the kids of the world, all the young people, all the future people. This is so much bigger than any of us.
2: It's the same energy I felt during Standing Rock. It's the energy I feel about the activists who are holding down the mountains in Hawaii, I feel mm-hmm. this way where I'm just like, oh, like there's so many of us still loving and fighting for yes. this place. And yes. that fills me with awe.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was <laughs> happening because I'm well, like offline. So much
2: other stuff happened that day and that's how things go these days, right? It's like, it's hard right. to bring enough attention. It's like, oh wait, there was a random shooter. This is that, and that you just know, like, but also this happened and it was, meaningful. Um, yeah. and so I want to know about for you, what is something for you? That's okay. Joy, pleasure. So and
1: this is something that's giving me a feeling of awe and has to do with how, awe, how we experience awe. So this is Ooh. something that my therapist literally just told me today oh, that when we hold our breath, we can temporarily see and hear better. What? And that applies to both the experience of being startled and afraid, like the <gasps> Yeah, You know, like your body then can temporarily see and hear better so that you can like locate yourself and locate the thing that has startled you and figure out like temporarily your senses are heightened so that you can figure out whether you're in danger. But it also relates to experiencing awe. So if you see something that is like (gasps) beautiful, then your senses like briefly will heighten so you can take in more of the information of that (laughs) awesomeness. (laughs)
2: That's amazing. Good design. How fucking cool is that?
1: (laughs) Pretty fucking cool. Like that's amazing. I love stuff like that. I just Just love stuff. Way to go human body. And I love also, (laughs) I love the fact that like the same, it's like the same function serves both
2: Sensation. Are, you, are you terrified are you terrified, <laughs> are you terrified
1: is it wonder you you need to see it you need to hear this girl you need to hear this wow that's incredible i yeah. love it
2: it feels tied into the fact that when you lose a sense another one heightens too like there's mm-hmm. just these ways of balance in the body i love that thank you yeah, um so
1: cool thank you therapist. And thank she you amazing. everyone
2: for coming to our fluma of
1: hmm so <laughs>
2: <laughs> well you know there's one other thing I meant I think I was gonna say in my check-in and I may have said it before but I feel like I'm gonna say it every single episode which is also I was commissioned for a musical and that gives me feelings of awe it's also my check-in
1: I was <clears throat> <I, I>, commissioned <clears throat> I was commissioned for a commissioned
2: musical, for a musical. <laughs> um it's 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 really like you know there's moments in your life when you're like I'm on the threshold of something that feels like it's really big for me. It feels like it's really like opening my heart to new possibilities and it's also the unknown
1: and yes. I'm really geeking
2: out about it because I'm like I don't know how to do this at all. Like it's so You're thrilling. About to learn, I'm about to learn. <laughs> and I just, I keep, I
1: have a lot of people in my life who do have insight, and now, now you also have the guidebook of the TV show High School Musical, the musical, the series. Well, we're gonna get to that because that is my That's, pop cultural, sorry, top sorry, cultural, top culture. Trip, right? Okay, yes,
2: no, but we're gonna dive deep, deep.
1: <laughs> okay, so, so we gonna dive deep. So I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you, and I'm so excited for like, of course the supports that you're going to call in around how this is done. And also so excited for the way you're going to do it.
2: Yeah. Cause I'm just like, I even calling it a musical is, it's bending the reality of what it is. Cause I'm like, it's like a musical ritual, immersive experience. Of course it's, you know, it's, I, Mm -hmm. it's basically the dream in my head of what humans are doing whenever we're together. So (laughs) I'm really excited. Um, but it fills me with awe. So yes, 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 yes. So here we are, sister.
1: Can, can I, I introduce our Can I introduce the primary um, I really need you to bring the theme in. Here's what the theme is. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. What is love? That's the theme of our conversation today. <laughs> What is love? What is love? What <laughs> is love? And why does it hurt so bad? And <laughs> why is it so necessary? <laughs> oh, I love this. Well,
2: and I want to know, like for you, like when you walk around in the world and you love things, like what is love to you? How do you define uh,
1: it? Yeah. And I was actually just um, I was actually just talking with my Aikido teacher about mm-hmm. this a few months ago, Galen, because Galen, um, because I was like describing how the feeling that I feel when I'm on the mat and my energetic field meets the energetic field of another person that I'm practicing with, Uh then like the only thing that's happening is like, I mean physically the only thing that's happening is like the two of us are trying to work out the technique together. That's right. But in 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 the moment of our energetic fields meeting there is something that's so profound and indescribable mm-hmm. and to me it often feels like love or it feels like the thing that I would say is like the that experienced um like aliveness sense yes. that you have when you're in someone else's presence. And it's been interesting to experience it like in my dojo yes. as with a bunch of people who, most of whom I only know in that context, right? That's right. And yeah. in some ways it like makes whatever feelings I'm having towards other people in the room, it's even more uh, precise because of the fact that I have the only the dojo as the context for the relationship. Yeah. And so I'm not, I don't, there's, there's less and less and less that I can project onto the people. Cause it's just like, I'm a body, you're a body, we're figuring this out together. Um, <sighs> but if I, I can kind of extrapolate that experience as like, a there's like this to that, that if I take it closer to home that I'm like thinking about last night, you know, sitting on the couch with Marade and watching an episode of high school musical, the musical, the series, and Mm. then just like looking over at Maraid and Maraid looks over at me and we just look at each other and smile. And then like, and Maraid takes my hand and then we just turn back to the screen. Yeah. There's something in that like exchange of affection that is requires absolutely nothing verbal. Yes. For us to both be deeply understanding that the thing that we're feeling is love for one another. Yes. You know, I think Mm. that one of the things that makes love so unique is how difficult to verbalize it is, you know, and how most of the ways that we experience or know that we love someone are things that you know, it's like why most poetry and song is about love because we're always struggling to find the word for the words to describe what the feeling is. That's right. Um, yeah. What about you? Like, what do you, how do you like Mm -hmm. try to say what love is?
2: So I, there's, you know, in the reading of all about love from bell hooks, she has this definition that I have I fell in love with, (laughs) um, which is an echo of the work of Eric Fromm, and it's defining love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Mm. And when I think of love as the action, right. Rather than like a state of being or of that you can fall into, it's like the act of loving is really that, like I'm extending towards your spiritual growth and, I'm nurturing my own and, and all of that's happening concurrently. Mm -hmm. So mostly that, but then also I think about my nibblings. I think about when I got to hold you as a little baby, you know, Mm -hmm. where I wasn't thinking about growth. I didn't have a framework and and babies don't have a framework of growth. And I love that you brought up sitting on the couch with Maraid because, you know, last week I was sitting on the couch surrounded by all three of your children, you know, and they all were they needed to be in touch with me. So like Finn's, Finn was like reaching over Maraid to have a hand on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Siobhan had her feet tucked under my leg and Maraid was like tucked up under my arm. Mm -hmm. And we just had these moments of just like sitting there smiling, beaming at each other. And I know that from me, there's that pouring of spiritual growth energy, but from them, there's just like I love being in your presence. This is the best thing, (laughs) And I never doubt that when I'm with them that they're just like, this is just great. Like just being with you. And Mm -hmm. when I think about every experience I've had of love in my life, whether it's parental, familial, friend, communal, you know, all of that, it always has that essence to it. That's just like, this is what life is about. Being here Mm -hmm. with you. This is is it. And- you know, those feelings sustained through kind of the things that are really, really difficult when it's like life is hard, but because we have this love, it's, it comes up under what's hard and makes it possible to keep moving forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to offer two quotes from Bell Hooks's book um, also. So to love well, is the task in all meaningful relationships, not just romantic bonds, Mm -hmm. right? So I love this love as an action. Love is something that we are trying to get great at. Um, And then to tie it into why we, as the host of How to Survive the End of the World, would talk about love for an entire season, I wanna offer this quote from Bell Hooks, which is, only love can heal the wounds of the past. However, the intensity of our woundedness often leads to a closing of the heart, making it impossible for us to give or receive the love that is given to us. Mm. So, when I think about how we're in a situation where we even need to survive, it's because there are these deep wounds, wounds that have come between us as a species, wounds that have become systemic, wounds that have become structural, wounds that are keeping us from a sense of deep belonging. To right. each other, right? Keeping us from being able to feel ourselves intact in relationship with others, mm. and if only love can heal the wounds from the past, then we have to find ways to make it possible to open our hearts again yes. and let let that in. And you know, there's that Japanese practice of healing things with gold.
1: <laughs> um, I have literally, I have a ceramicist who is doing that for me right now with a yes. pot.
2: Right. So Kintsugi. So my friend Ian, um, in Detroit did that for me with a few items last year. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, oh, when I say healing, this is a little bit of what I mean. It's like, there's some gold in the universe and I'm not the gold, but I will help it find its way into these gaps, (laughs) you know? Um, and, I wanna think about that with this season, that part of what we're doing is figuring out like, where are the wounds mm. that we're trying to survive and how can love be the medicine?
1: Yeah, I was, I was just trying to find, there's this beautiful quote from Resma Menakem that I was trying mm. to find about, about the thing that you were just describing, how like that, that unhealed wound over time becomes like a personality in someone. Yes. And then over time becomes culture right? Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> like the things that we think of as culture often are like rooted in de- like generations old unhealed wounds. Exactly. Um, and, and people and really think we... of themselves
2: as like broken.
1: Right. And they think of their communities and cultures as broken, yeah. but we also know, I mean, well, I think we believe you and I believe, and many yeah. of us believe that we have the medicine for those wounds. But it's like, what is the thing that makes it medicine? It's that it's choosing to apply it. That's right. Right. (laughs) It's choosing to actually use it as medicine rather than just um, experience it or expect that it's going to be experienced.
2: Yes. And that's why, that's part of why I love this definition that bell hooks, you know, uplifted because it's like, okay, so we need to extend that, right? We need to find a way to open, soften and be generous in this moment, that's actually the most important thing. We've been told, we've been given a narrative of scarcity that keeps us divided from each other and wounding each other and staying in those places where we're like, I don't even think I can love, or I don't even know how to be a different way. And it's like, actually there's a will that we can cultivate to extend ourselves towards Mm -hmm. nurturing, towards nurturing our highest selves, towards nurturing our loving selves, you know, as we are and nurturing each other. And I think this is a time where we need to be moving from scarcity to generosity and where we need to be moving from the idea of being individuals to the idea of being one, right? Right. One whole being. Um, Michaela Harrison has been doing this whale song, whale whispering work. And the main message she's gathered from the whales is we are one, right? Mm. Um, Which I find so loving because it's like, oh, like when I offer love to anything else, I'm offering love back to myself as well. Like it's it's a total act, you know? Like yeah. there's there's not even inward outward. It's just like it's all so interconnected. Yeah. And I that and like thrills the, me.
1: The I mean, not to make it all about science, but the science backs that one up. You yes. know what I mean? Like, um, neuroscience backs it up, physical science backs it up. That like the more that we experience and enact love, (laughs) the more that we are experiencing it internally, you know? So, um, it's one of those places where all of the ways that we know things align around this one. That's right. right. So, So
2: I thought we could, you know, we've mapped out a season and what we cover may or may not fall as neatly as (laughs) this map, you know, like we, we may get lost along the way. There may be moments where we're like, wait, we've got to climb up to that ledge and see what's up there. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like a suggestive map through an adventurous territory, but we wanted to share with you all some of the things we're imagining exploring over the course of this season that we're excited to get into. And I thought we could just sort of take turns going back and forth with what we have so far as ideas. So one thing we really want to explore is what it means to love ourselves as we are. Right. Um, And I think of my teacher Spenta Kandawala, you know, she was the first person to say to me like nothing to fix. Mm -hmm. Right. There's nothing to fix with you. There's nothing that is like fundamentally broken in you. It's just, how can you sort of be with everything that has shaped you to be as you are. And then from that place, act towards yourself, you know, like where do you want to go? So Mm. there's a a self-acceptance that is at the heart of this kind of love. It's like, I am who I am and I can't be ashamed of the things that shaped me to be who I am. That that's, that's the particular basket of life that I was given to work with. Right. If this, if that's the show, Mm. what's that show? (laughs) Um, um,
1: Oh, Chopped. <laughs>
2: right?
1: It's like, here's your My random ingredients. ingredients that include a package of ham and a bottle of Prosecco.
2: Exactly. Right. And so pretty to make, make a dessert. <laughs> right. So it's kind of like life is like you're chopped, right? It's just sort of like you yeah. were given, you know, excellent parenting or less excellent parenting, poverty, wealth. You were given a race. You were given all these cultural artifacts or none of them. You were given song right. spirit practice you were given trauma you were given privilege you were given these things and here you go and what are you going to how are you going from this to make the beautiful meal of your life how are you going to make something not just edible okay <laughs> how are you going to make something delicious and incredible and part of that is our bodies part of that is our minds part of that is our spirits so we're both now getting into those ages where it's like, oh, the body really starts to change and you can think of it as deterioration. Um, I'm really not feeling it that way. I'm just sort of like, oh, my body is changing and I have to be much more mindful to shape those changes and partner with my body and love my body as, you know, like, I'm like, we're not going backwards, right? This body that is 43 will never be 23 again. This right. body is forty three, and what is the 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 most loving way I can be forty three? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah. And for me, you know, and what do I want of sixty three to look like? What do I want sixty three to look like? You know, I'd like to mm-hmm. get to eighty three, one hundred three, two hundred three. So, you know, how are we? Yeah, you know, just it's me, right? In but cryo. so I really want to talk. <laughs> I'm like I'm laying here frozen, but I'm healthy as but I'm healthy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I want us to talk, in, you know, when get there about the health practices we're engaging in and Mm -hmm. what has shifted with those. I also want us to talk there about mental health and what it means to like, stop battling the, the mind and really be like, okay, this is what my mind does. And how do I be with that? How can I Mm -hmm. love that? So that's going to be one episode that we're going to Dive Beautiful. Into.
1: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's going to be fucking awesome. Might end up being more than one episode. Let's be real. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was um, like, mm-hmm.
2: at least one.
1: We also want to do, again, at least one, if not more episodes on divine love. Mm-hmm. And um, we are really interested in both how we experience the sacred and also what some of our sacred texts have to say about love. Um, because, um, I mean, one of the things that I love about various sacred traditions is that, um, a lot of the religious and spiritual traditions that we've inherited have a lot to say about how love is experienced in different forms of love and how we can cultivate different forms of love in our lives, um, and how we can experience divine love versus other types of love. Um, so we're going to have some really interesting ground to explore there. Um, and, hopefully we'll also be able to get a little bit into how some of our religious and spiritual spaces that we inhabit, like churches, synagogues, um, mosques, um, covens, you know, all of the different ways (laughs) that we talk about, like what are the spiritual space, what are the spaces that we claim for our practice, how we can cultivate love in those spaces, but also how some of those spaces can, confuse our experiences of love or suppress Mm. our experiences of love or judge them. Mm. Um, you know, so we'll be getting into some, you know, some interesting territory, both, um, I think leveraging our religious and spiritual traditions as a way of understanding love, And thinking Mm -hmm. about how love has been understood historically and how it's understood now, because even how we understand romantic love, for instance, has changed a lot in the last century. Um, Mm -hmm. But also thinking about how having a spiritual life can really shape how um, open or not open to love we are.
2: I love that.
1: (laughs) Um, So then we want to get
2: into falling in love, right? Mm -hmm what one of my means. favorite things one of my very favorite <laughs> things <laughs> we love to fall in love here um, and I want us to talk both about falling in love in the romantic context but also like that falling in love with a new friend falling in love with a new comrade like falling in love that act of being like holy wow so you just out here existing and I didn't even know and now like
1: mm-hmm. right or
2: <laughs> falling in and- love with someone where you're like I've known you I've
1: known you for even seven realize. lifetimes. Exactly. Oh, you mean like I knew you? Like I <laughs> I'm did. like, no, yeah, like I, I knew am. you. And then <laughs> something shifted, right? Um, mm-hmm.
2: And I especially want to talk because we're grown folks business over here that, you know, the first time you fall in love for many people when we're really young, teenagers, maybe early twenties, that first big falling in love experience is one thing. But after your first big heartbreak, the continued possibility of falling in love, the continued practice of falling in love, mm-hmm. it changes. And I want us to really talk yes. about that and what it means to, you know, I think more and more over time, learn to be yourself while in the practice of falling in love. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we're going to spend some time there and I'd love to have some science in that. Like, what is the science of falling in love? What's happening in the body? Mm. What's happening to the brain? Oh, yeah. What's the chemical reaction?
1: You know, what's mm-hmm. happening? So, we'll, we're gonna
2: we'll talk. We'll, we're going to talk to science.
1: We're going to talk, talk to, to science. science about a
2: little bit of science in there.
1: And then we're going to talk about <laughs> sustaining love. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to get into a little bit of some. Uh, toolboxes, like a toolbox approach to what we have found in our lives (laughs) as like ways that you can actually sustain love in your life. And that doesn't just mean sustaining romantic love, Mm -hmm. but sustaining the experience of love in spite of hardship or Mm -hmm. in relationship to hardship. Um, So we're going to talk about the role of therapy. We're going to talk about- we're going to talk about exactly we're going to talk about the role of friends um mm. and i would love for us to you know again we'll see we'll see how many episodes we've got in us. but i would <laughs> yeah. love to have a whole episode just about like friendship love because it's like this whole own it. type of love um but we're going to talk about boundaries we're going to talk about adapting and transforming in relationship with others and how, like, what are the conditions that make it possible to change and grow together? And what are the conditions that make it really hard? Um, We're gonna talk about some of the lessons that we've learned from like the work that we've been doing, trying to figure out how to get the love that we want in our lives and how to call in the kind of love that we want to be experiencing and practicing. Um, And also how to be, you know, in, um, how to be able to like be in the present with the people who like, and loving the people who are actually here in our lives, you know, rather than staying out in the, in some fantasy of like who we're supposed to be with or who we're supposed to be surrounded by.
2: That's right. And, you know, I imagine that like many other people, this is an, this is a really interesting transition moment of like, how do we let go of what we've been given as the, um, the meta narrative of what sustaining love means, which is just like, take it. (laughs) You know, you just, no matter what you just escalate it, escalate Um, it, constantly be escalating (laughs) while constantly be staying while constantly be compromising. You know, that's the love practices that I think we grew up, you know, when I look at like a lot of the love that I witnessed growing up, it was like, yeah, you just stick it out. And I think that's changing a lot right now. It's like, wait, we could have all kinds of formations in order to help love thrive. So, so there's that. And then, you know, we are parts of movements and our movements really, I think are meant to be acts of love for the world, right? It's meant to be we see a place where there's a wound and we're going to bring love to that. We're going to work collectively to transform this wound into a place of freedom and liberation, which means loving at the collective level, but we can see that we've been really stumbling and falling all over ourselves in this. Like we're really struggling with, well, yes, how do we, we are. love people? <laughs> if we think they made a mistake, how do we love formations that we might politically disagree with? How do we love within our formations when we're really in a battle and
1: How do we fight for the freedom of people that we don't like?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, how How do we love those we don't like, right? And like, then there's this act, what I call loving corrections. And I really do think I'm about to do a book (laughs) called Loving Corrections. Um, But how do we call each other up to our highest values in movement spaces and break the cycle of like, how do I punish you and push you down as far as I can into the mud? It's like, no, like, how do I love you? and love us and let you love me towards towards our highest recognition and realization of what we can be. And mm-hmm. I think that's what movement's supposed to be. Um, but I also think we'll probably spend some time there in like boundaries, like how do we practice love in movements and still have integrity? Mm-hmm. And I, at this point I'm calling it the Hill method and not just the quote of apprentice For rat, um, Yes. So yes, the yes. Hill method is like, how do you practice boundaries? um, that are, that help you set the distance at which you can love others and yourself simultaneously.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, so
2: Prentice Hemphill, the, the black Buddha of our times, um, is offering so much wisdom around boundaries, but we're going to probably spend some time there because I think in our movements, our inability to set boundaries means that often by the time we are trying to set them, it's in like a crisis mode and it's like trying to, set dynamite and create a moat and like all kinds of stuff. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> love would not act that way. So L-
1: literal dynamite. Yeah. Uh, related. <laughs>
2: tell us about the next one. Cause I think it's very related.
1: Uh, it is very related. So um, what does it look like to do work that we love? You know, how to first, how do we find the work that we love? Mm-hmm. And then how do we give ourselves permission to do exactly the work that we love, you know, and that
2: loves us
1: yeah. and that loves us. And, you know, you and I have both been on quite the journey in mm-hmm. our lives as adults around coming to understand what it is that we actually love to do and then yeah. positioning ourselves to be able to do that work. Yep. Um, and um, hashtag blessed hashtag bless. And, and, you know, having to navigate some of the, some of that discernment. I know that both of us have done around like, well, what are the things that I'm called to do? What are the things that I'm really good at doing? What are the things that I was trained to do Mm. versus what are the things that I actually love to spend my energy on? You know, even (laughs) if I'm Mm -hmm. neither good at them nor trained to do them. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk about that, like about the journey towards like being, having a a feeling of, I love what I do. That's right. Which, you know,
2: I think is so core to feeling like you love your life, right? Mm -hmm. That I'm like, if you
1: spend your life doing
2: things you don't love, it's really hard to love that life. (laughs) So, um, so then, you know, every single episode, we spend a little time in pop culture, top culture, cultural space, but we also wanted to spend some time in like, how do we build a culture that we love? What are the things in our culture currently that we love that, and and maybe why? So I want to do, you know, in that space, some deep dives into like, what are these things that capture our collective cultural attention and why do they capture that attention? And how does that relate to our liberation path? Because I think a lot of times it's places where we see people taking big risks. It's places where we see people loving themselves out loud. You know, I'm like, we live in the age of Lizzo. We live in the age of star trek discovery we live in the age of things that are like wow like (laughs) this feels like such a love offering you know so i want to live in the age
1: of bridgerton (laughs) oh Oh. we're
2: gonna talk about that right
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was like
2: bridgerton so we're gonna spend some time on the culture yeah
1: we're also gonna spend some time on family Mm. um Mm -hmm. and how we Um, experience love within the context of family or don't. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to talk about family shaping as, you know, the, you know, the earliest locations in which we come to understand for Mm -hmm. what love means or how we're shaped to understand what love is and what love looks like. And some of the, um, you know, some of us um, learn really healthy shapes. And a lot of us (laughs) learn really maladaptive shapes for what love is supposed to do for us and how we're supposed to experience love. Um, and I think a lot of what we are going to focus on is what does it look like to practice loving our families as adults? And yeah, you know, we have developed some practices with our immediate family, our group as sisters and our immediate family, including our parents that have helped us stay in loving relationship with each other. And so we're going to be talking about some of those practices in depth. Um, and also what we've heard from other families who've learned, like, how do you love each other? Um, as adults, how do you continue choosing each other as adults? especially once you've reached a point where you no longer necessarily have to choose each other.
2: That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm really, yeah. Like, I think that's going to be one of my favorite places. Cause I'm, I'm both so overjoyed by what we're practicing right now as a family, like how it feels to be in our family right now feels like the result of a lot of intentional choices to extend love and extend towards each other's nurtured spiritual mm-hmm. growth, you know? So I'm like, we're rocking it. Um, and then finally although it might not be the final thing, but finally, as a topic we want to explore is loving at the level of species. Mm -hmm. So, which to me includes like, how do we think as a species, right? Of like, how are we nurturing the whole? How are we nurturing each other and nurturing the planet that is our, our home, right? Mm -hmm. As a species. It's like falling in love with this place and thinking of it as a, as one place to protect feels so important. How do we do that? How do we let go of all the borders and territorial thinking that keeps us from understanding that we are one species, one being, one interconnected body. Um, and in this, I think we also have to talk about what it means to love the future, mm-hmm. right? like not just to have ambitions for our own individual futures, but to actually have a sense of like, I feel in love with the possibility of the future. I Mm -hmm. I see something other than just a dystopian slog of horrific things. I see something actually really mm -hmm. beautiful out there ahead of us. And I wanna- Yeah, and to
1: like love love future generations enough to fight for a future that they have, that they deserve to live in. (laughs) Yes, yeah. And you know, I think
2: it's like, it's something that I hear so often, in people who become parents where it's like, Oh, my, everything has changed. Now I understand. And I can love out ahead of me beyond my lifetime in a different yes. way. Yes. Um, I know that as an auntie, that's something that happened for me as I was just like, it's not theoretical anymore. It's these no. people. And no, I really these want people.
1: them and, and the people yeah. that they're going
2: to bear and, you know, and so on. But I think this is where, you know, we will be able to tie back into indigenous wisdom of thinking in terms of seven generations, which I think is to me, the most loving worldview that I've ever really come across. It's like, oh, like I'm loving myself in this vast sense of what it is to be of a time, place and and being. Mm -hmm. So that is what we're thinking of so far for our season. Um, We hope it excites you as much as it excites us to look ahead at these conversations. And I want to say, to our readers, if there's something we're missing, you know, if there's something you're like, listeners, what about, oh, what did I say? Readers. readers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I am also a Um, Yeah. To our listeners that mm-hmm. if there's something that you're like, you know, I'd love to hear y'all touch on this, or, you know, this might tie into one of the topics you've already explored, or this might be something different. Um I will say there might be something on loving animals. There might be some other kinds of love out there.
0: <laughs> let us know if there's something
1: that you're like, Hey, yeah. Hey, Hey, All right. actually, let me correct myself. We have both listeners and readers because we have transcripts and now we oh, have people true. who primarily consume the show by reading it. So let me not, invisibilize all of the people who aren't actually listening to the show oh, <laughs> but are taking it in. Good yes. correction, sister. So, I'm proud of you. Yeah. I'm good getting job. better and better at like correcting myself in real time. Yeah. We're we're
2: all <gasps> learning. So to our listeners and our readers, mm-hmm. we want to hear from you about what would be what if there's any pockets of love that we have missed. So yes, 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 yes. um and I love you, sister. I want to tell you that like you really have been one of my favorite co-scholars in this work of figuring out what love looks like and what it means to be in love, what it means to um, do the work of love, what it means mm-hmm. to choose ourselves, um, you know, to like, I think that we share this practice of like being very skilled at pouring our love out into a lot of other containers, mm-hmm. and kind of being a little late blooming when it comes to like pouring that love back into the containers of ourselves. Oh yes, I'm so (laughs) astounded by how I've seen you pouring the love into the container of yourself. And I'm really grateful to get to be in these conversations with
1: you. Same, same. We have certainly been on the journey together all these years (laughs) and Mm -hmm. always, always learning the lessons, if not at the same time, then letting each other know that, (laughs) Hey, I I learned this (laughs) I learned this lesson and this lesson's coming for you too, girl. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, we do have, those. So I think, I was like, I think that, that the text messages are going to be. Yeah. That happens for us too. I think where it's like, uh-huh. and I think that that's also what a loving relationship can do, right. Is like you trust each other enough to know when someone else has like the wisdom or the medicine for you that you're going to need, but maybe you don't need it yeah. yet, you yeah. know? And I think that, I think that we we've certainly taken turns playing that role in each other's lives. Um, so it really feels like there's an equality
2: of love, wisdom amongst Mm -hmm. us. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, yeah,
1: it's going to be a great season. Yeah. It's going to
2: be a great season. So let's wrap up this episode with some pop cultural joy Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. um, do you want to go first? You want me to go first?
1: I wanna worship at the church of Chandra Sunrise. <laughs> he is just a fucking genius. genius. Um. So for anyone who hasn't seen Bridgerton season two, I don't know who you are or what Why? rock you live under. Why? Why <laughs> have you not seen it? Um. I was I was concerned. I was concerned yeah. about Bridgerton season two when I realized that um jean was not called to Renee. Be, you call Renee, <laughs> but we found out is actually called Bridget, <laughs> when I found out that he was nowhere in sight of this season. I was like, okay, well, what is happening without his what butt? is sex? <laughs> um, where's the sex going to be? <laughs> I don't and, understand. <laughs> and I have to say what they, what they skipped on in actual sex seasons this season, mm-hmm. they more than made up for with almost kisses. Oh my and god, those almost
2: kisses. Wow. Brrr. The amount
1: of almost kissing that happens over the I did course not of even
2: know you could stand that close to someone that long. found
1: myself just laughing <laughs> and like waving my hand in my own face and just like it was delightful. It's a delightful season. It really is. Um, there's a few things that you're like, uh, like mm. why is Eloise not gay? Doesn't make sense. She says and she should be gay. She's obviously gay, but why is she not like, why is there not like a main gay character? It doesn't make sense. Um, Especially given that the main character is gay. A, the main character actor is gay in real life. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's just like, what's going on? Anyway. I
2: was like, no wonder whatever. he's just breathing at her. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's got amazing chemistry with everyone, apparently. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Know. So anyway, there's a few things that I was like, not feeling, you know, like I was one of the nights that I was watching <laughs> the season <laughs> I was, was when my bestie was in town mm. and we had this moment where we were watching a few episodes together and she looked at me and she's like, yeah, like. Why do I? I can't differentiate between the three brothers in the Bridgerton family. Like I don't, I can't mm-hmm. tell them apart. And I was like, you're right. They have all the same personality, basically. It's very so you nice know, Tim. there's there's some things. Like, why that don't... isn't Penelope like being
2: pursued? Like I want to see, I want to see a fat love story. Exactly, Bridgerton. exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's things that I'm hoping for in season three. But I will say, overall, season two knocked it out of the park. Super fan of all the breathing. And the like <laughs> trauma response of the bee sting moment. I loved that. I was like, <laughs> oh yes, God. bringing in oh. the, all of it. I was, yes, I was a fan. That part so, was so good. Yeah. Lots of well, great and I stuff happening right now. And that was one of it.
2: I want to also uplift. So I've been rewatching Scandal and um, I, I was really appreciating both. Like I've been rewatching Scandal. I've been going back and catching up on Grey's Anatomy and then watching Bridgerton. I'm like, you know. Shonda really commits to the fantastical, like in each of her shows, (laughs) there's something that is really just like the fantastical. So in Scandal, I'm like, I have to keep reminding myself, like somehow you have me watching raptly about the hijinks of these Republicans. And, you know, the yeah. ultimate like main <laughs> outcome of this is like, these are bad people. Like, they're and every really season bad. is just like, even though it's interesting, and even though you might want to root for some of them, like fundamentally, these are like, they're bad. And but there's this fantastical thing, which is like there's a love story and they're good, you know. Right. And they're the white hats. <laughs> they're white hats, right? And I'm like, oh, but that's somehow hat like is,
1: really liberal. And I'm heroes. like, you literally
2: have like bloody fingerprints all over your white hat now. But anyway, so yes. with Bridgerton too, I feel like she's really doubling down on the fantastical, like. You know, this is a diverse space that will never, ever, ever talk about race. Like we will right? not do <laughs> never do right? is not part of it's the. Sorry. A, we will talk there will be scandal. Uh, that is related to like who is marrying who, but it will never have anything to do with race. It's only class. That's the only thing here. Yeah, and it just makes me think. Like, I just hope that all the people in movement who are always like, "It's only class," you know, are just like watching this and just enjoying it, right? I'm yes. like, this is what it looks like if you try to hold the analysis that it's only class. <laughs> you just see the race anyway, and you just keep pretending. So um, enjoy. So then, what's from- your what's your top culture, girl? So mine is, and we mentioned it a few times in this. And I want to thank you because I was minding my business in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I may have mentioned, I was commissioned for a musical. So I've really been immersing myself in the realm of musical projects and going back and watching some of my favorites. And I had a group thread going and Autumn just dropped into it and really out of nowhere, really Really out out of nowhere, nowhere, was just like, by the way, does everyone know about High School Musical, the musical, the series? And I didn't know about it and right. I, I, know. I then immediately got to come visit you and get the, um, I would say the fast track education exposure first to high school musical and what was happening with Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens and the like. Mm-hmm awkward, wonderful teenage ridiculousness of the original high school musical story. Which we,
1: which you and I both, we we missed that somehow. We missed it I don't completely. know how, Like, but I we, think it we came in the moment right
2: after. Yeah, so like, if I can, I think it was like both of us had just, it's like I was already graduated from college and I think you were going into college. Right, we were and too so old so for I, it. I literally am not paying attention. I don't remember anything that was on TV the whole time I was in college. Like I just right. I don't. right. So I think that that was it. It was. I was too old for it's like it. Like we knew that it was happening, but we were not. I didn't even we had that no it was exposure to like it. Like I literally remember seeing Zac Efron and being like, "Who is that? Why is he famous? I don't understand." Yeah, right. Exactly. And part of what you said was, "Zac Efron is actually a triple threat." Did you know? And I'm like, I didn't know. I, I still don't, don't understand. I don't he's know famous. what you're talking about. So then <laughs> I sat down with your children and we watched High School Musical, the original musical, the original musical. I was. Totally like, oh, this is just so over the top and goofy and corny
1: and it's delightful. The
2: basketball um,
1: players who are dancing with basketballs. It's
2: it's wonderful.
1: And get there's you, no head the like game. the thing, <laughs> the, the thing get I love you, get, about get Zach Efron, particularly,
2: is it's like he just and I think that Glee has also played in this category. It's like people who are like, I'm supposed to be cool, but I want to do a musical. But <laughs> the whole framework of it is like it's not possible to really be cool at that age. Right. So no right. one actually is, but everyone's doing their performances and it just makes it all so plain. And then like the sticky, sweet way that Vanessa Hudgens and Zac Efron look at each other and look period. Like they just, I'm like, who walks around with cheek, cheeky smiles like this? So anyway, it's just so chip monkey and cute and adorable. And then, and then the beautiful thing is the high school musical the musical the series is a series that is set it's still all fictional but it's set at the high school where the musical was filmed. filmed and with a a sneaky teacher who has who realizes that the musical has never been put on at that high school hijinks
1: ensue
0: auditions are after school
1: i've seen the original movie 37
0: times and the first 15 minutes of both sequels. It would be insane to think I might actually have a shot at playing Gabriella.
2: Now, what I'm still so deeply in love with is we don't ever know what the musical is that they were putting on. There's never like a, here's the musical. It's like someone keeps writing songs that seem to be sort of, is there a storyline? We don't know, right? We don't know. this. It's not like we're putting on Romeo and Juliet or we're doing this or whatever. It's not like Wait, that. Wait, you mean in the series? In the series, it's like in, in the, the series, series they're putting, putting on a high, high school, school musical. musical, but high school mm-hmm. musical was them putting on a musical. Oh,
0: right. And right? we never know what that, we never know is. What that musical true.
2: is, right? <laughs> and, but then just songs keep getting written. And then Olivia Rodrigo. Because in
1: high school musical, everything is leading up to the audition.
2: Everything leads, Yes. The peak of it is this audition moment, a callback. Okay. Right.
1: So, and then <laughs> I also have to
2: say, so for me, the people, the standouts are Zac Efron, and then Olivia Rodrigo, who is in the series. Um, who, before she
1: became super famous. Before she, was she became super famous.
2: So, and I love Driver's License, that song. So I was like, oh, so happy to go back and be like, oh, you come from somewhere. And then <laughs> um, I was like, this song didn't just drop miraculously, miraculously out of the sky. And then what's her best friend's name?
1: Her best friends in the show, her best friend's name is Courtney. I don't know okay. the actress's who name. Ever
2: plays yes. Courtney. I need to know what's happening with her career. Cause she's amazing. And I'm
1: going to look her name what up right felt
2: now. felt so comforting to me. So she's this like bombastic black queen who's giving excellent advice and has awesome, like happy style. And what made me so happy was my enabling skip being like, she's giving major Adrian vibes. And I was just like, I see it too. It's I so feel it perfect. too. Um, the actress's name is Dara Renee. Okay. Dara Renee, where are you? What are you doing? Like let us know so that we can like watch it, listen to your music. Exactly. She's incredible. She needs to have her own, own thing. She needs to have an album out. So that's the like real sweet, lighthearted place that I've spent my call. You know, I've been, I'm between Scandal. So it's like the torture seasons of Scandal and High School Musical. The musical <laughs> series.
1: It's so good. I have range. to say this, this series is so good. And it's truly one I can recommend to like, if, if you love musicals, you'll love it. Also, if you love mockumentaries, you'll love it because it's got that like confessional (laughs) element where they're talking directly to the camera about what's happening around them. Mm -hmm. So it has that sort of office feel. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And if you're like into just like awkwardness, there's so much of it in the series. And so people of all ages can enjoy the show and the music is really fun. that is
2: our show that is our first show we have season six open okay open. Um, and
1: should we do credits Did you Do you remember how it. to do them okay they're right here thanks for listening to our show it's right here in my google doc we're oh. on twitter and instagram at end of the world pc we're also on facebook at end of the world show even if no one else is
2: Should we stop being on Facebook?
1: Okay, you can make
2: a sustaining donation to our show by visiting our page at patreon.com
1: slash into the world show. Another incredible thing you can do to help our show sustain itself is to write us a review on Apple podcasts. If you are an iPhone person, thank you.
2: Or just post about it. Um, How to survive the end of the world is produced and edited by the incomparable Zach Rosen and transcribed by the sweet, delightful, and talented Jess Pinkham.
1: And music for today's show comes from Tunde Alani Ron and Mother Cyborg. All right. We love y'all. We love you. See you soon.